The opinions and viewpoints expressed in this podcast represent those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Metadata Solutions. This podcast has been created for general information and educational purposes only. This podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. You're listening to Clinical Minds presented by Metadata, a Dassault Systems company. I'm Alicia Staley. And I'm Kelly McKee. Over the last few years, we've seen a movement in our industry towards more patient-centered capabilities with disruptive technology paving the way for new protocols and trial designs. We've also witnessed an accelerated adoption of some of this technology due to the COVID-19 pandemic and are all hopeful that the acceleration in the space will continue. But we need to ensure that technology adds to an improved patient experience rather than placing additional burden on patients. Today, we're speaking with Irfan Khan, Chief Executive Officer at Circuit Clinical, to discuss clinical trial technologies and why it's so important to optimize the patient experience. Irfan, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for the opportunity. It's great to, to be with both of you today. Irfan, you've, you've got a really impressive background in clinical research, serving as a PI during your medical career and now as a CEO of an integrated research organization, Circuit Clinical. Can you share your clinical trial stories and why clinical trials are so important to you? It starts uh, with the, the joke I like to make that I've, uh, I've hit for the cycle. I've, uh, I've been a participant in clinical trials. I've been the investigator. Um, I've uh, run a, a, an academic research site and uh, now have the pleasure of uh, building circuit with my team um, and building technology uh, that looks at patient experience. So we've, we've had a chance uh, to sort of look at it from a lot of different angles. And uh, and I think that that's been really helpful in thinking, if this is where we're at today, how could we build a better experience around those spaces? I think it really goes to um, the clinical trials experience in academic medicine is very different than the clinical trials experience in a um, private research uh, site uh, versus where else could uh, could clinical trial opportunities be created? I think there's a, a lot of opportunity, but I think we've been doing things the same way for a long time. Uh, and this could be one of those really great inflection points where we're getting a chance to try a lot of new innovative opportunities. So let's talk a little bit about those innovative opportunities, especially around clinical trial technology. There's so many out there, right? Registries, e-consent, e-pro, live video visits, wearables and sensors, patient data return, and site ratings and reviews, just to name a few. Orfan, what's your impression of patient and site adoption of these technologies? There's a challenge there. There's sort of two lifts that have to happen. There's a lift in the room. So what is the care team being asked to add to a um, uh, to its strategy and to its implementation plan? And then what is the patient actually experiencing with these technologies? Are they just being handed a device and 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 being told to engage it in some way? Is there is there an experience that's been designed for them uh, with kind of that that individual understanding of what it's like to be a patient in mind? So I think there's. There's um, a lot of clarity that that's needed in this space. I, I see a lot of fragmentation in the solutions. Um, and when we think about something like e-consent and then we think about something like e-source, the the question comes to mind: Why why can't those be an integrated experience for the patient as they're gonna as they're gonna go through it and the sites as well? And I think that sites would prefer to have an experience that was fully integrated. I think this is one of these areas when when um, coordinators are said to be resistant to technology. I always want to ask which technology and how was it uh, how was it brought to them and and how were they trained on it and and what else were they asked to do beside that technology. So I look at that whole spectrum and say where is the integration and where is the uniform experience that's been designed with the care team and with the patient in mind. 
And, and again, I do. I look at those opportunities and see a lot of um, blue sky for, for improvement. So when you're introducing a new technology to the study coordinators and PIs that you work with through Circuit, like how do you introduce it and, and what's the feedback? And um, maybe you can share some stories or spill the tea, if you will, of the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I've had the pleasure of being a, a cardiology fellow and an electrophysiology fellow uh, when ideas like e-consent and e-source were first kind of coming to market in, in these highly fragmented forms. And you could see what the potential would be, but it was very difficult to train even the fellows because no one had really um, delivered to the site level, hey, here's how this should be done. It was really, this is the tool we're using, uh, familiarize yourself with it and go ahead and collect it. So this was before the era of really uniform um, product suites that could really speak to the the, the end user, the, the the care team, the physician, the coordinator. So that was kind of the, that's the before, you know, and I had that experience in academic medicine for about um, five years when they were first rolling them out. Um, we saw, you know, the, the decentralized uh, trials first kind of steps. Um, and people took a lot of uh, wrong lessons, I think, from the fact that the first study that tried this didn't have the outcomes people were hoping for and kind of iceboxed it. What you see in this generation is a lot more thought being put into um, designing from the experience, the direct experience of what people are going to feel like who who pick up the uh, the tool to use it, either as a coordinator, as an investigator, or as a um, uh, a participant. And I think that's really special. So the stuff I've seen lately has had the feel of being um, thought through and designed with the uh, with the um, more more of that lean, you know, um, uh, lean startup kind of approach where let's bring people together, let's iterate. I will share that we have an advantage at Circuit in the sense that as an integrated research organization, we deliver to our non-academic health systems kind of the turnkey ecosystem. We bring in the nurses and uh, the coordinators. We bring in the, the research assistants. So that's our team so we can standardize training. Um, and I think that's been a huge help. Uh, I, I think what we've found is that we don't see a whole lot of pushback if it's brought in with an ex, uh, explanation for this is the package of uh, tools that we're going to use to improve the patient's experience, and here's the training for it. So I think we live now in an era where when a care team has brought the opportunity and they're brought the technology in that context of here's, a, here's an end-to-end -end solution, that makes it a lot easier. Patients, I will say, as long as they have a clear understanding of how the trial is going to work, um, and that can't happen unless the care team fully understands the product suite. Patients themselves are very adaptable and very open to trying new things if they see value. So we've landed in clinical trials, I think, where the um, the entire um, you know sort of technology sector has been for at least ten years, which is if you want to solve a real problem, you have to start with the uh, the uh, the end user in mind. And if you can do that well, you'll find a lot less friction in the space. So that's been kind of our experience: is that that um, it's really about does the product suite meet an actual need of the patient while, or the participant while meeting the need of the uh, the sponsor uh, running the trial? I've got two questions that I actually want to tee up here for you. One is is around that end user. And I, I think the work that I've been doing in patient centricity in the last four or five years, that, that's been the goal. That's been sort of the, 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 the end state that we've all wanted to get to. But, but I've never seen the change happen or a change happen so fast like we've seen in the last 18 months where there, there's been this incredible recognition of that end user, the patient, in a way that we've never seen before. And I'm just, you know, is that just this un unfortunate confluence of events with COVID and, and er everything that we've had to go through in the pandemic that made people finally see, like, we've got to look at this 
picture differently. We've got to look at these this ecosystem in a new way. Yeah, if we're being sardonic, we could say it only took the end of the world uh, yeah. to, to put the patient at the center of the, or the participant at the center of the clinical trial. Um, but but I think I think two things happened in, uh, through through the experience of the last eighteen months. I think one was that industry was asked to do something pretty heroic, which was to deliver a solution on an unparalleled timeline um, and and responded accordingly, uh, pretty amazingly. And in, in responding to that, they actually had a major ask uh, of the public, which was consider cl- a clinical trial as a care option. Uh, and that truly is what, what it was, was that, uh, that, and we have plenty of industry friends, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, who who sort of stood up and said, "Yeah, I'll participate. I want to be part of that solution." And so, uh, and I know I'm talking to two of them right now. And so that that was a really interesting scaled ask. That was a scaled ask of the public. Everybody at the same time in industry realized this was also a scaled opportunity. If you really could uh, demonstrate the value of clinical trials as a care option. Um, maybe you could change the the legacy conversations around am I a guinea pig? You know, uh, I don't want to be on a placebo. Those kinds of things, and transform them into oh, this is how medicines are created. This is how therapies are delivered. And you know, when you look at the data on this, especially in that first wave, the public got there very quickly, and it's because there was such a focus on on outreach, on messaging, and on the value to the public as a whole, but really to the participants in that trial. So in those trials, and so. I look at that like there was a huge ask of industry, then there was a huge ask of the public, and that that sort of perfect storm helped industry see the opportunity in doing a much better job on patient engagement, participant engagement, uh, participant uh, awareness of clinical trials as an option, whether they were saying yes or no, whether they were entering a trial that had a placebo arm or not, and whether they were um, participating in a trial in an era where there was you know sort of controversy and hesitancy around is a vaccine a safe thing to do? And I think I think it just led to a really beautiful response where you look at the outcomes of um, of uh, what the world looks like now if you're vaccinated versus not vaccinated. It's really clear that something special was accomplished, and it was accomplished by those participants choosing uh, to be part of that process. So I, I think we are in a different reality now going forward. We definitely are in a new reality. But one thing that I, I really find interesting about this industry in particular is is the lag in technical adoption that we've seen with with just across the board we just seem to trend behind the latest and and greatest in in these technological advances and that there's been this undercurrent if you will or almost like a chatter that you know sites really steer steer clear of the newest technologies or they're real hesitant to actually get into um, looking at new ways of delivering a, a clinical trial, particularly when it comes to digital enhancements or technical enhancements. But we saw a recent survey that came out between SCRS and metadata that that said really it's sites aren't as resistant to using more digital tools. So there seems to be a perception in the industry that sites don't want it. But when you go out to the sites and ask them, they're pretty positive about it. They, they see the benefits. So do you think, when, when are we going to see this sort of balance out where the industry as a whole really embraces this forward thinking mindset around technical solutions and digital tools? I'll take a stab at this and then and work backwards into a, maybe a site by site solution, acknowledging a bias, right? I, I'm, I mean, I have the joy of building a scalable national solution through the non-academic medical centers. So factor that into this answer when I point out that perhaps 
the surest way to demonstrate value is through new architecture and infrastructure that's designed around that very ability to deliver a scaled solution. You know, I think Darwin famously said that science advances from funeral to funeral, right? So um, I don't think it needs to be that stark, uh, but I do think that innovation is easier to create in new spaces. So I, I think that uh, we're, we're really excited about it, right? Circuit is a as close to paperless, as close to digital every time it can. We're thrilled to bring new opportunities into these health systems. And because they trust us to deliver it, it lets them look at it in an innovation cycle. I can clearly, I spend a lot of time with private research sites and friends in the site network space. They're as innovation open as anybody I've met. They're, they're absolutely willing to bring it into their practices. They, they've embraced decentralization, I think, in a way that's just really telling about how innovation-oriented they are. So if you're running a private brick-and-mortar standalone research site, you could look at the idea that your sponsor wants to spend half these visits at home and be terrified that this is going to destroy the site ecosystem and kill your economics. But what sponsors had already priced into the um, the value in doing that, in other words, the ability to keep the program going through a pandemic, and that the importance of the site ecosystem was still paramount, that we couldn't destroy the sites while doing this work, um, the sites turned around and said, yes, we trust that that's going to be the way it's going to be. The, the new reality will respect the, the need for good old-fashioned places where people trust to come and participate, but that there are all kinds of advantages in terms of retention, in terms of engagement, if we can support those participants by giving them everything they need for certain visits to be um, participating at home, uh, be to participating in ways that are easier on them with lower burden and drag. Um, so, you know, I think certainly the the newer solutions in the clinical research infrastructure uh, space, so the integrated research models, and there's a variety of them, I think they're well positioned to deploy um, digital solutions and and decentralization. But I do think that the traditional site economy from everybody I've spoken to embraces this and it says, well, how does how do we manage to create new value for the patients through this, but without destroying the existing site economy? I, I haven't heard anybody saying, I don't believe this is going to work and I'm not interested in this. I, I hear everybody saying, what will the new paradigm look like? And that, that's a very fair question for everybody to think about. But the technologies have to work, right? And not all technologies are created equally. Um, so in your experience, you know, what's the difference um, in technologies? How do we get technologies to all be in that A plus model or even like an A minus model? Um, because some of them, quite frankly, just aren't there yet. Scalability is what I always think about with these things. Um, you know, there's always the, uh, you know, so, and again, you know, we, 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 we run a, you know, circuit does sort of two things at the same time that we feel are very synergistic. We, we create new places for research to happen and we've built the, the definitive patient experience platform to look at satisfaction, visit over visit, either in the room or decentralized. So we, we look at this and, and think about this with our friends a lot, um, which is really around the question of pharma will give, um, sponsors will give, give a product company credit to exist as long as it has existed. So if you've been around a year, they'll believe you'll be here in a year, but they can't build a development program around that. They can't be certain you could scale into the um, to the global needs of this thing. So scalability, I think, is the is that threshold, I think, has has held back some innovation in some ways. But post pandemic, with the push now to have innovation happening, I think we have a series of teams that have built highly scalable solutions. That's exciting. Um, and I think you, you also see teams working to create configurability. So to me, it's always about can you can you create enough useful um, configurability in the product that it can speak to a particular program at the level of the site, at the level of the patient, 
while serving the sponsor's needs. Um, there's not a lot of teams that can do that well, who, who have the patient understand, the participant understanding, who have the experience in clinical trials, and who have the um, kind of the know-how how to deliver that kind of scalability. Hundreds and hundreds of studies over, you know, over 100 plus countries. That's not a long list. This is just one of these things. This is not, you know, streaming a movie. This is putting um, a patient's data into a clinical trial and following that participant over three, five, seven years, uh, and then storing that data in a way that it will retain its integrity. So there is a big ask there. And so it's not a, it's not for the faint of heart. Anybody thinking that they can boot up tomorrow and be playing this game, I think, is asking for a lot of trust from everybody. Yes, from the sponsors will pay them, but I think equally so from the patients and the participants who'll go through that journey who deserve a tier one solution. So I would agree with that. And I think the two frameworks that we think about a lot, um, you know, we've been at this now for, you know, circuit as a whole, about six years, uh, trial journey, uh, two and a half, almost three years now. We, we, we think that all the advantages we're drawing are one is that we've we've been able to show scalability and two is we have a lot of configurability to patient experience, but it's a much bigger lift on the actual execution of the trial. And I think those platforms have a much bigger ask. And I think that's where track record comes into it, too. Um, at the site level, I can tell you that um, it doesn't take much to ruin a digital experience. It takes things not working the way they should. It takes, you know, versioning uh, being an issue in terms of what's happening on the on the trial. Because you're not typically dealing with technologists, and you're typically not dealing with with people who are even particularly um, tech embracing, um, either on the patient side, given the demographics in clinical trials, or on the um, on the uh, coordinator team side that's embraced this. So the the burden is high for this to be a well thought out solution that started in a design studio using you know insights from the very people who are now sitting in the room trying to get this trial done, and then it has to be deliverable with, you know, you know, four, nine kind of, you know, certainty that, uh, that this thing is going to work when you turn it on, it's going to give the participant the experience that you were trying to create when it was first put together. That's a big ask over, over many sites and, and, um, and many countries and all the rest of that stuff while being compliant. So you're right. They're not all created equally. I think track record matters, scalability matters, configurability matters, and good old fashioned, you know, was it any fun for the people involved? For the two people who sat there trying to get this thing transacted, the coordinator and the participant, did it feel better than just writing it down on paper? And I think that is a, that's a high bar, I agree. You raise a really good point that on that scalability. And I think one thing that I would add to the mix is longevity. Can you build something that will last? And when you're bringing in all these other factors, the end game is how long can we keep this moving? How, you know, how quickly can we scale this and keep it moving in the right direction? This is one of my favorite questions to ask a CEO, but two years, three years, five years from now, what does this industry look like? Are we, are we still cycling through some of these challenges that we've had that we appear to consistently deal with in terms of technical adoption? Or are we truly climbing up and over the adoption curve. You know, I wish Clayton Christensen was still with us because I think he would find what's happening here um, truly fascinating. And ideally a book would come out of it uh, because, you know, we're seeing some fascinating things happen at the same time. The uh, the venture capital um, uh, interest in um, uh, 
decentralized technologies, virtual technologies for, for clinical trials, never been hotter, right? This is a once in a generation window for innovation teams, right? Uh, um, and so being, you know, at ground zero for those meetings and, and uh, sort of seeing the excitement on everybody's side to say, what can we build that's new in the space, but that's sustainable and scalable is really fascinating. Like everybody wants to do important things here. I think that's one thing. The word that I slipped in there that matters, I think, is sustainable. At some point, everybody building has to have a path to victory. And I, I think you nailed it, uh, Alicia, that, that the definition of victory is really sustainability. I am personally really, really going to hold everything we're all doing, um, starting with us. I mean, this is, you know, one of the big commitments we've made is we are very focused on making sure that the digital divide doesn't get worse, right? So as we deploy these technologies, what will representation look like across these technologies three years from now? I think maybe one of the great landmark questions. So did we end up uh, improving diverse engagement and representation in clinical trials? Or did we further choke point access uh, by not thinking through, um, as both of you know uh, better than I, it, it's not just the technology, although that has to be astonishingly well thought out. It's really the adoption curve and everything that can be done to to create an adoption curve in places that traditionally haven't seen any opportunity, you know, brick and mortar on paper, any kind of opportunity. What can we do with decentralized and virtual technologies in clinical trials to actually make it likelier to have uh, black representation in clinical trials, uh, Latinx representation in clinical trials, social economic uh, um, disparities kind of improved through through clinical trial access? What will that look like three years from now? I think is going to be another good bar for what, what did the adoption curve look like. I, I'm a startup founder, so sort of put this with a grain of salt. I tend to be very optimistic about what's happening. I think we have a lot of well-capitalized teams that are doing interesting things. I think we have several really great companies that are, have already achieved scale that haven't lost their innovative spirits. I think all of that um, combines to create a really interesting mix. I think three years from now, the real challenge will be for the teams that are are forward-seeking to have proven that not only did they grow big, but that they actually grew sustainable. Um, and that that will be an interesting challenge, and and uh, and, and it's an exciting one. Uh, but what my hope that comes out of all of that work is that that where everybody can agree is that there's an opportunity here to dramatically impact access and equity in this space, um, and that takes collaboration too. So that, that's how I think about one year, three years, five years in the space, and, and what would the adoption curve yield? I think there's a couple of bars there, is that did we get to sustainability and did we get to uh, improved equity? So how would you answer those questions if you're looking into the future? Is it a yes and a yes? <laughs> well, I'm dispositionally optimistic. So yes, I'm going to say yes and yes to both of those. Uh, but I'm also pragmatically optimistic. So it's going to be yes and yes because I'm going to bang this drum as hard as I can for the next three years too while working on my own team to make sure we live our values and we drive the conversation as well. So I think it is about teams saying that that great product innovation requires participants at the table, at the level of design, at the level of conception. There have to be uh, trial participants um, and patients uh, front and center sort of talking about this thing. And I think side by side, there needs to be a voice uh, speaking on behalf of uh, uh, engagement and diversity and equity and access. I think I think if those things happen, you're just looking at some really magical opportunities. Because from everything I can see, it is not window dressing. It is not a thing to say because it's the time is right to say it. It is a bunch of uh, sponsors investing millions of dollars into their teams to improve equity and access and to think about this and then looking for solutions. And every product team I talk to has at least realized that this is the case. And some of them, 
talking to two people here who I know think about this as well, are really working through how do we deliver that solution? How do we think about all of that together? So uh, I think that that makes me optimistic on both counts. I, I think it's pragmatic optimism across a variety of teams bodes well for the future. Alicia, are you a yes and a yes? I'm an absolutely and an absolutely. All right. Well, uh, and of course, you, I'm also. Yeah, of <laughs> yeah. course I'm a yes and a yes. Why else would I be here? Well, many thanks to our guest, Irfan Khan of Circuit Clinical. Um, really enjoyed the conversation with you today. For more information on my metadata, please visit www.metadata.com. And to learn more about Circuit Clinical, please visit www.circuitclinical.com. This has been Clinical Minds presented by Metadata. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. We particularly like the five-star reviews. And we'd love to hear from you. See you next time. Thanks so much, everyone.